Queer Longing, a podcast where we discuss and explore everything that we're longing for and living for in our queer community. I'm Lucy Cecil. And I'm Olivia Taylor. And welcome to our very special spooky episode of Queer Longing. How does it feel, Lucy? Are you feeling in the spooky mood? I am. I am ghostly. I am haunted. I am truly in the Halloween spirit. How are you feeling about this this spooky episode of... uh, what is this? What is this? Our podcast? Queer logging. <laughs> mm, yes. Um, well, no, I've been really looking forward to it. I mean, we've been talking about doing a spooky episode for the past sort of month or so. So it's it's nice. And it's nice to feel like we're doing something that is um, kind of punctuating a bit of this year in a normal way. So yeah, that's absolutely. nice. It's like an event. It's exciting to have an event, isn't it? We do love an it, event. <laughs> yeah, crying out for any and all types of events um, at this time. But yeah, how's your week been? Has anything spooky happened to you at all? Um, I mean, not really. Apart from I have, I've, I have. Uh, as I finished my job, as we all know, I think I said I was finishing last last episode, and now I have finished well and truly. Um, I've moved to my sister's uh, house, which is down south and uh in sussex and oh my god this place so suburban it's unreal <laughs> like the, where they live is so weird and it's almost like we were talking about it and my sister agrees it's almost like uncannily un like like perfect and nice like is it like privet drive it's a bit like stepford wifey so it's very okay. very like family orientated there's loads of by buggies fucking everywhere mm. um and but it's like really picturesque and beautiful very nice but it's almost like a bit like it seems almost a bit fake but it's like really, like really the uk awesome. version of wisteria lane absolutely absolutely yeah um so uh yeah so i've just moved here and i'm like settling into being here, uh, spending lots of time with my stunning nephew, who is the light of my life. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's really nice. But it's like it's is it's like it's, um, we were saying it's like a different country down here. It's like you know they have like a high street phase eight. I mean, what what kind of place is that? So, <laughs> I don't I don't know it. I don't know it. <laughs> no, I, it's it's odd. I feel I feel a bit like a fish out of water. But it's kind of nice because it makes me feel bit more like I am tied to the north which is quite nice to me like to feel that I don't usually feel any sense of place so it's quite nice to feel that love love Um, that for you we we love to have you as a most esteemed guest (laughs) thanks so much Uh, how are you how's your week um yeah yeah it's it's been it's been good um nothing particularly spooky as of yet I've been dipping into um, a few spooky shows and books but um yeah it's just nice to uh do something that feels a little bit a little bit normal obviously we can't uh do anything Halloweeny what have we done for Halloween's past I'm trying to think I'm not sure we do anything (laughs) we just love it we just appreciate it what do we usually do um I think last Halloween I went to a spooky screening at Partizan um watch some episodes of the twilight zone and then the next night there was like um we dj'd at a parzan night i remember that um oh yeah yeah which you came to so that was fun imagine imagine um but yeah that was a good time um i don't know i just like to watch spooky things read spooky things try to feel sort of spooky in that same way that like at christmas i want to feel all warm and cozy and christmasy i want to feel all like a bit on edge (laughs) throughout the whole of (laughs) halloween but in like a nice way. I find it quite comforting. Gorge. And um, what is it that you are living and longing for this week? 
Uh, well, I am longing for, very simply, um, it, it, I've tried to make it a bit spooky, but it's not that spooky. But I'm longing for, so one of the reasons I've moved down here is because my sister is imminently due to birth a second child. Um, and that could happen any time between now and sort of mid-November. Uh, and I'm longing, and I know she doesn't really want this, but I'm longing for the baby to be a Halloween baby. <laughs> Ooh. Would love that for the spooky baby. So. <laughs> what would be like a good Halloween baby name? Oh, Salem. Jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> Pumpkin. <laughs> Salem Endle. is good. Um, what's the name of um, Ichabod? Like Ichabod Crane off of Sleepy Hollow. Oh, okay. Catchy. Yeah. Deep dive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, definitely yeah. not going to get a hairband with that name on, unfortunately, or a keyring, but um, never mind. Uh- <laughs> so that is what I am longing for. What are you longing for? Let's, uh, let's find out what you're longing for first. I'm longing for um, going on a little staycation this weekend. Um, we can't really go anywhere. We can't really do anything, but... Um, we have created a staycation for the weekend in Manchester. So I'm looking forward to uh, going on that, having some nice food and uh, yeah, maybe being a bit spooky as well because the staycation is actually happening on Halloween night, which uh, will be very nice. You'll have to like, just walk around the spookiest streets of Manchester, AKA what, like cross street. Yeah, Market Street. Street. That's that's the spookiest street in Manchester. Yeah, I think Market Street probably probably outside the Arndale is probably the spookiest place that you could be um, in Manchester. Incredibly haunted. Incredibly haunted. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that is what I am longing for. And what is it that you are living for this week, Lucy? Because I have a feeling that we might have the same one. I think that we do. Um, we actually have an incredibly special episode for you all this week, as we are joined by a guest. That's right. It's our, I don't know, fourth, fifth guest <laughs> spot. And it is a very uh, well-received and very exciting guest spot. We are very, very lucky to be joined this week by friend of the pod and historian extraordinaire, uh, <laughs> Laura Alston. Welcome okay. to the pod. Hi. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. So, Laura, not only are you our friend in um, in the real world and in any world, but um, you are, like Lucy said, um, a historian, and um, you do dabble a little bit in um, in the ghost world. In the in the occult, yes, I do. <gasps> yes, uh, a little bit, yeah. But so, I mean, not so much dabble as I think it's been like forced upon me but you know in the best best way well this is where I think we want to start so um we've always known that you have been a delightfully spooky person um for however long we have known you which is what over 10 years now and um we just wanted to kind of get a bit of a background into who you are both in um the academic sense of the word and what you do then but also um in your in your spooky side and where that comes from because as we know it comes from um, a long line of spookiness it does it does it's hereditary even so <laughs> perfect <laughs> um, so yeah so i'm i'm a historian of uh, the 18th century um but also of emotion history so i look at how people felt about things in the past um and uh you know part of that is is being scared i suppose you know fear that time of year for fear um but i yeah, like you said, I have come from a kind of long line of spookiness. So um, 
I saw my first ghost when I was about three, probably. Um, it was just like a, a shadow of a man, uh, probably a Victorian man. I was in a Victorian house at the time, walking walking across the wall. Um, and my family have always kind of been interested in the occult and things. My grandparents did like Ouija boards and things. Um, my mum has always done, you know, kind of tarot or astral traveling and all sorts of kind of things. So that kind of was normal to me growing up and it was quite normal to see ghosts. Uh, they've been in like every single house I've ever lived in. Um, some are in the house and some have, you know, just come with, come with me and my family. So, um, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Do you, do you feel like uh, the ghosts are of the place or that there are some that happen to travel with you guys no matter where you go? Like they are of you as opposed to of place? Well, it's a bit of both really. So some some places have definitely been sort of um, active situated hauntings attached to that particular building or, or place. And other times it has definitely been things that have sort of passed through or, you know, family that have turned up or you know there's certain hauntings at different times of the year sometimes in the family so um yeah it's a real mixture it just kind of depends where we are um but uh generally even if when we've been living in sort of new build houses where there, sh there is no kind of history the ghosts managed to find us so you know it's uh, those pesky ghosts i know can't 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 stay away <laughs> <laughs> well i don't blame them laura you're a very enigmatic character <laughs> i can imagine being drawn to you as a ghost <laughs> olivia have you ever experienced any spooky happenings in your life any hauntings any ghosts any apparitions well okay so the only time that I can really think of that was sort of independent of anything else spooky, a sort of spooky surprise, if you will, um, it, it's, it's kind of underwhelming and also really incongruous. I don't understand it at all. Like, it doesn't make sense. So I've always questioned whether or not it's real. It's not something that, you know, I'm looking back on and I know with 100% certainty that that was a ghost. It's always been something that I've always questioned and been like, but how could this be possible? And it felt so unscary. It felt more just confusing. Like after I'd seen it, I was just like, it was more of a sense of confusion than a fear. So look, Laura's nodding like, yeah, this, this track. So anyway, you can tell me what, you, tell me what. Perfectly right. <laughs> okay, so you can tell me what you think. But um, it's kind of an underwhelming story, but I was um, sat, so where I am now, I'm, I'm at my mum's house and the room that is now like the office spare room, which I'm um, in at the moment, um, used to be my brother's room. So my room um, is another room that's down the hall. And that was my room at the time. And I think I was maybe like 11 or 12. And I was just sat there. It was maybe like evening, not particularly late or anything. And then the door was open to the landing. And this sounds so strange. I've never really like mentioned, like spoken about this before, but I saw a man like not, not, not ghostly or anything, just like an opaque man. <laughs> and I can only describe like what he was wearing as being sort of like, um, like an admiral or a captain. And he was walking into my mum's room. And then um, that was it. I saw him for about two seconds. How old, how old were you then? 
about, ten, about 11 or 12. Okay. He looked a bit like, you know, like Jack Sparrow from Pirates of the yeah. Caribbean. <laughs> looked like that. Truly haunting. Yeah. But why, really cool. why, why would he be here? It doesn't suit the hat. Like, I don't understand. Well, there could be a few different explanations. Number one could be that, you know, you hallucinated it which is you know never it's always an explanation however you know I think when you're awake and alert that's less likely to be the case that's often a thing you know when people kind of wake up in the middle of the night and they see you know an apparition and that you know your your mind is still in the dream space so it's quite yeah quite hard but I think when you're awake that it's pretty clear you weren't hallucinating um it could be that it was uh, an imprint on time. So something that was there like before the house was built or um, that something's just repeating itself and isn't really kind of truly here in this time. You just kind of maybe saw a bit of a soft spot in this dimension between, you know, we, if, if science is to be believed, we, we live in a kind of time prism. So the past is constantly happening, but we just don't see it because we're in this, in this kind of linear time frame um so you could have seen that you it could be a family member perhaps that is attached to your family that you know didn't expect to be seen or didn't think they would be seen and is just kind of hanging out um so it's you know it's one of a number of things but I think it's really it's really cool and that's a great one. I mean, that's a, that's an excellent, that's a full, like, on apparition, which is really rare. Well, it was, like, only for maybe a second and a half, two seconds. But, you know, when something looks so real, you're not really shocked by it, because it wasn't as though it was, like, a spooky or sort of horrific image. It was just as if someone was, like, dressing up and was just walking across the landing so in a way it felt un like it felt unremarkable in the moment it felt so ordinary that after it had happened was only when I was trying to like work out if how that could be not real because it just looked like a very real not ordinary thing it's a bit weird to see an admiral walk across your landing but that's sort of how it felt like I can't describe it any other way that is the thing with ghosts you know they are people they were people they you know the spirits of people are you know uh, they were alive they are ordinary in most ways it's just that they the unordinary thing is that they shouldn't exist in this space with us which is when our brains make it feel uncanny because it it shouldn't be there you know most ghosts you know you don't need to be afraid of they were just you know ordinary human beings like they're just there to hang out or you know they're they're just hanging around or (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're not yeah. they're not actively like trying to scare you um no i didn't feel any people i didn't feel any fear at all and i think that was just why the whole thing was so bizarre and yeah un- unexpected um but yeah that's that's probably the only the only time uh, i haven't seen anything since then that i can think of um but yeah that's that's great to know and it's good to know that it's good to have these things validated because at the time it's just so just so weird and um unexpected and it was just yeah like I say like a standalone experience so I think you know we always try and make sense of the unfamiliar and um sometimes it makes more sense to make sense of it this way than to always be like denying things maybe so um 
thank you think, um, yeah, it's always good to accept it as a, yeah <laughs> you know Le- lean into the admiral on the landing um <laughs> lucy how about you have you ever experienced anything ghostly um i mean nothing in that sort of full-on experience really like i've had you know the classic like hearing some noises and then but then just making yourself believe that it's like some pipes or whatever um i did actually the the other a couple months ago when i went to cornwall the place where we stayed was a really old like building and my room to me was was haunted like it it was very i was spooked every time i was in there and like i just didn't feel like very comfortable in there and i was like oh there's definitely like some residual something going on here and it used to be like a b&b um and also before that like i think a farmhouse so it's very it was very old and like um it didn't help that like my room was like i I mentioned this in the pod like down this corridor which looked like it was narrowing and then it just had like a door and all the door all the other rooms had like names like oh like lovely names like the sheet the seashell suite or whatever mine was just number seven (laughs) And I was like, oh, and like, it just sort of spooked me out. But I did what um, Laura has taught me before about the fact that like ghosts and, you know, presences and stuff, they don't want to hurt you most of the time. They're not malicious and stuff like that. Um, So I like, like spoke to it. I was like, if there's anybody here, like, it's fine. Just go about your business. Just let me sleep. Like, I don't mind. Like, but please don't scare me. And that's all I did. But um, apart from that, I don't. I don't really have any like full on experiences. But I did. I what? I, it was. It had that 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 sense of like stuff has happened here more than anything. I think. Um, and I know uh, we've talked about before, Laura. How like if any of us ever were to like buy a house or anything like that, I would like just get you to come look at it and tell me it was haunted <laughs> before we got it. Because I will. I will I provide that service for us all. <laughs> yeah you should set up business as like a i don't know what 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 that could be but um yeah no so i don't think specific go survey service (laughs) exactly yeah you've got your like classic building survey you know all of that but then you've also got your go survey (laughs) i mean you do have to declare whether your house is haunted you are you are supposed to declare when you sell your house whether it's haunted but you're not yeah. going to, are you? Because you I mean, you wouldn't. Yeah. yeah, you'd never, you'd never. Sell. I mean, you sell it to me, but that's about it. So yeah, yeah. I, actually, yeah, there must be some people who are keen to have a haunted house. Yeah, I was listening yeah. to um, a podcast about that, um, and there was this one um, where these people wanted to buy this house loads and then they went down to the basement and then they were like so freaked out because they just felt the presence of like one billion ghosts basically, and then. Um, they reneged on it and then they researched afterwards but they'd already like bought it in principle or something so they were like scared because they wanted to pull out of it and um they looked into it and apparently like there's like loads of history of it being haunted and stuff which they didn't realize um but you can't um you can't not buy a house because you think it's haunted the only way that you can get out of it is if um the the owners kind of have spoken about it publicly like being haunted because then it could affect like resale but you can't if you feel a presence of a ghost and you've already said you're going to buy the house you can't go back on it legally interesting yeah so that's how they got out of it that the only other thing that is that i've sort of experienced that's spooky (laughs) 
<laughs> that I can remember, put a finger on, is that in my parents' house, there's uh, in the corridor, like by the downstairs toilet, there's a cold spot, um, which we uh, always are like, oh no, it's like a ghost, like a cold spot. But then we were like, well, it can't be a ghost because like this literally just used to be a cow shed. So we always say it's like a haunt, like a dead cow, like a, ga- a ghost cow. <laughs> There are are lots of uh, 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 animal hauntings. There's lots of things of animal hauntings, so there could well be cow spirit, and especially because it's quite an old place. I think you can, you probably, you get those like layers of energy, which is possibly what you were feeling in Cornwall. Is that like heaviness where like lots has happened over time? It's sort of just accumulated, like layers of feeling. Like places in London, I feel like they get really heavy. Like I can't go to like some places that just like too much has happened here so can you kind of feel things to a lesser or greater degree all the time around you in terms of like spirits or any sort of presence that is no longer like human in the sort of traditional sense of the word I think yeah I mean I think we all can really I think it's about kind of just I'm possibly because I'm so like used to what the feeling is Mm. I know what it is when I feel it, if that makes sense. So, yeah, like it, there's a difference between the uncanny feeling where you know that there's like you, you know, that feeling of like maybe being watched or you get that kind of heaviness and it's, it's like sits in your chest kind of thing. It's like a weird, like heavy feeling. Um, and if if I get that, I generally know that there's probably something around. Um, and that's very different to like perhaps like feelings of dread or where you just feel scared because it's a bit of a you know strange place there's a very particular feeling involved when you when that there's that heaviness so um yeah I think I think we all feel it I think everyone gets that uncanny feeling but it's hard to separate the kind of fear of the thing and the the real thing and so I think I'm probably just like honed it a little bit so that I I can in in your sort of adult life, like you say, you're sort of more used to experiencing these feelings and you've had a lot of instances where you have encountered um, ghosts or sort of pres- presence in some sort of way. Um, are your experiences on the whole just kind of you notice them, accept them, or do you still get those sort of experiences that we see more in media where it's fear-based and there's a sort of spooky um ominousness associated like where where does your sort of level of experience uh, sit so i think that it, that really depends on the ghost so i've had some hauntings which have been have been terribly scary even for me and i'm not generally scared by spiritual activity it and it's more annoying sometimes because I can't sleep when it happens. So I'll be like awake, but I'm not scared. I just, I can't like rest because my yeah. brain's like going like, there's someone here. Like, uh, <laughs> and it's, <laughs> it's worse. <than> my mum. <laughs> she kind of gets the full on like people trying to talk to her, which is, which is. Oh, just like do it in the day. Yeah, just like I, be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I, I think at night it's, it's heightened. They are there in the day, but at night it's heightened because it's quiet. Mm. and you're not you don't have something to like distract you're not working or like anything like that so you have that mo- you know it's more time to go that bit of your brain kind of switches on and then you're like oh okay you've been hanging out today like it's gonna be a long night kind of thing mm. but then there have been other ghosts where 
they have been people who either I kind of think that there's when you pass over into the spirit world or the dimension or whatever you go into you become like the most pure form of yourself or your you know those all those emotions so things like rage or you know if you're not a very nice person in life you're not going to be a very nice person in death either you don't suddenly you know become really nice and I think a lot of those hauntings where people have been really scared have been you know not not very nice people um and I've had one one in particular which was just like a big black cloud that kept kind of being on our landing um all my drawers were like pulled out in my bedroom things were like dragged across the floor and that was okay but it was the feeling of like real dread that kind of accompanied it like there was one day in the house where I just couldn't even go upstairs the feeling of oppression was so like heavy I had to just like leave the house and I didn't want to look back because I was like I don't know what I'm gonna see it's gonna be something horrific um that's not fun it didn't hurt me though and it, and I, you know it wasn't it wasn't trying to hurt me I don't think it was just the actual kind of aura of the spirit was so horrible <laughs> that, it, that, that kind of relates to an, another question that I had which is about you know when we see like I was saying before in um movies about ghosts and ghost stories there is a lot of sense of like fear ominousness um and sort of like a, a scary interaction but I wonder where that comes from because what what can a ghost actually do do you know what I mean like what's what's possible for a ghost because if a ghost can only sort of you know hang out and make its presence known then technically there's no reason to be really scared because it can't do anything to you or can it well I mean the worst I've had is things like flying across the room so that can happen you know I've had like pictures like fall across the room you like jump off the wall like things like fly out of a cupboard yeah so things can fly across the room um you can get things you know you can you can get kind of active really quite active things that's often the case where I think have stayed in this dimension so like an active haunting they've not passed on they are much more kind of almost visceral but they're not really visceral they can't do loads but like they're a little bit more um hands-on I suppose um but that said I think it would take a lot and and I think the fear that you get in ghost films is more about like the ghost the ghosts are kind of like metaphors aren't they like it's the, the otherness it's the uncanny it's the fear of the unknown and you can turn a ghost into kind of whatever you want um and there are different kinds of ghosts in different cultures so you know there's this I don't know I'm, I don't want to like say like loads about it because I don't I'm not an expert on it or anything but in different cultures ghosts can do different things so you know in a lot of like Japanese cinema and things there's a lot of like grudge ghosts and they can really do a lot of things like um and that you know I think that we we have more of a thing about ghosts being sort of messengers I think and having having something to say or like warnings to give and that comes out of like a a really long line of, of historical um ghost story ness in our in our history where ghosts were kind of uh, mediums for telling people things about how they should live their lives and you know beware from the other side kind of thing um so yeah i think in terms of real fear that's not the way it's 
played out in films is not the way it is but I do think when you have a situated haunting and if you don't know what's going on you can be really scared and if you don't get sleep that fear kind of builds and I think people can really freak themselves out you know it's not the ghost that's doing it though it's people do it to themselves yeah absolutely if, if, you, if you've been to places of um his historical note obviously you mentioned um london earlier on can you kind of set out to try and encounter ghosts and if it's in certain places where things have happened or with famous people or you know notable people's houses could you potentially have an encounter with a famous ghost a celebrity ghost <laughs> yeah for sure I mean I think there would be some things you'd have to do to prep I think you would need to know like particularly where you wanted to go in the in the house because there are probably spaces that are more likely to have those ghosts in them um I think that you would need to probably go when it was quiet so that you could have you could really be attentive to those feelings but also probably you know if when I've been uh, I went to last Halloween and the evening in Treasurer's house in York doing a little bit of a, a, a ghost sort of seance around the the rooms with the pendulum um, and that was really fun but having something like a pendulum or something is a really good thing to take with you just to kind of like check things out um, my uncle had a really nice, a really, well, not really nice, an interesting encounter in a castle once where he went, he kind of waited till the tour guide had gone off and then went into one of the, the you know, the no entry kind of back rooms, which was very naughty of him. And I wouldn't recommend doing that to anyone listening to the pod, especially as he kind of got himself wedged in between the kind of like garderobe walls so the very kind of thick walls but they were like there's a little passageway and he kind of got stuck and whilst he was stuck there this big blue like he said it was like a catherine wheel just like kind of came like out towards him and he couldn't like get out so he like oh peed his pants and uh, he was fine <laughs> well that'll teach him for going in the no entry areas of the haunted places <laughs> absolutely yeah um, but yeah, you definitely can go and find some some famous ghosts. Um, okay, sure. very important question to each of you. Um, who's your top celebrity ghost you want to see? Who do you want to haunt out? Haunt out? Hunt out? Haunt out? <laughs> oh, I have a, I mean, I have a few, but I think depending on, well, considering that I'm reading this book, this the queer haunting book. I'd quite like to go and see if I could find the ladies of Clangoughlin or okay. similar, or uh, Anne Lister would be really nice. I that think. is exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say that's what yeah. I was going to yeah, say. Like, <laughs> us three, we need to get straight into Shibden Hall We've when it's got to get to Shibden Hall. Get the pendulum out, and we need to tap yeah. into Anne. It, <laughs> it, was about, it was about this time last year. I went to Shibden Hall, but I didn't see any ghosts. <laughs> There's no way that Anne Lister's left Shibden Hall. She's definitely, you know. <laughs> She's, She's definitely, definitely lingers. She definitely yeah. lingers. So, Laura, you mentioned there that you are reading a book, which, um, what is it called? Tell us about it. And... It, it, it is called Queer Hauntings. It's True Tales of Gay and Lesbian Ghosts uh, by a guy called Ken Summers. Um, and... I, I mean I got it in prep for coming on here actually because I thought it was really interesting because I was thinking 
about you know gay and lesbian ghosts do we do, are there gay and lesbian ghosts of course there are uh, but do we ever hear their stories you know and I think it's really important to add those stories back into our kind of cultural zeitgeist of ghosts you know and horror and and all of those kinds of these mediums especially at this time of year so uh, I wanted to kind of get a get an idea of some some queer ghost stories and this has been a really interesting book actually um, it's got stuff from all all over Britain and all over America so there's kind of a whole whole list and they're quite nice little you know kind of little stories um about a little bit of history about who those who the people were and then the kind of ghost ghostly visitations that have been recorded since um Wow, nice. So I am, would just like to say that we are very impressed and pleased that you did, um, you know, some very stunning research for this R poddy. Um, yeah, we love homework. Yeah, really invested in your homework, which we are very grateful for. <laughs> you don't have to ask me twice to read ghost stories, though. It's not, it's not really like... <laughs> is what we thought that's why we thought you know she'll she'll be keen to do this so um so you mentioned there one of the stories that was in there um would you like to give us maybe a little bit of a read from the book um about what is it what are they called the ladies of the ladies of clangochlan so they're really they i i really like them because they are an 18th century couple and you get this a lot in like historians are always really bad at saying things like oh they were probably just really good friends you know they just like okay they shared a bed but you know they're probably yeah. just companions historians and a lot of people still now forever <laughs> so you know it's quite it's quite nice to have to put them back in into their like kind of love story and have their ghost story as their love story which is you know nice. is we have all these ghost stories about you know women in like in wedding dresses and and you know throwing themselves into lakes and stuff when they've you know been scorned but it's actually I think really nice to have a a a love story of ghosts that stay on because this is the place that they built together and they you know want to be together for all of their lives and unlives so you know (laughs) that sounds it's really nice yeah (laughs) and not so much a horror story you know it's a it's a love story but um so I'll, I'll read you um a little bit just to kind of give you a taste and I would recommend anyone want to buy this book. I mean, obviously, I'm not getting like sponsored by Ken Summers, but um, <laughs> Ken, you know, Ken, hit, hit up Queer Longing Pod because <laughs> <laughs> yes, Ken. Well, you know, we're all about the wrecks uh, on this pod, so um, yes, please, absolutely, do read us a little bit of the story. So uh, this is Tea for Two, the Ladies of Clangoughlin. True love can defy convention; it can break down any barriers we create in our society. People are often willing to set aside differences in age, class, ethnicity, and even gender to be with the one person who gives their life meaning. And this powerful force propelling emotional needs can be strong, so strong as to defy our worldly existence. Near where a small creek flows to meet the River Dee, a magnificent manor looks down with its black and white edifice. It is a home built of love and devotion. The two women responsible for its transformation from quaint cottage to Tudor house have been part of Welsh history and law for more than two centuries. The oak and plaster rooms may no longer echo with the voices of the ladies of Clangochlan, yet some people believe their spirits linger on. So I'll give you a little bit of the potted history. So they, so Sarah Ponsonby, she was the daughter of an earl. 
and she was left orphaned and penniless in her teenage years and she goes to live with her cousin um and she uh, her adopted father decides that um he quite likes her and he quite likes to marry her so it's you know it's pretty creepy um and she doesn't share his feelings obviously she's really upset by his advances and she takes to kind of hiding in the garden and like just taking some like long walks to like escape um and then she starts meeting up with a friend from her days in boarding school who's an older woman named Eleanor Charlotte Butler and she takes an immediate liking to uh, uh Miss Ponsonby um she's also a descendant of the aristocracy she was educated in France um and both of them they kind of they start meeting up a lot they and they hatch this plan to be free together and to like escape um so they they gonna they were gonna elope and live out their days together so they're trying to choose where to go they thought maybe ireland it was too far from home england is too close to home and so they thought north wales that's the place we're gonna we're gonna escape so they they set a date for their flight um, Butler planned to hide at a ruined abbey and wait for Sarah where they would set course for Wales. Eleanor waited but Sarah never turned up and she was found beneath a high wall. She'd sprained her ankle. She'd like fallen and sprained her ankle. No. The pair were discovered and hastily made excuses for themselves and defeated. They each returned home plotting their next move. And then they try and again flee on foot. Uh, but during their journey there was a really big storm and they sought shelter in an old barn. Um, they you know they they went to bristol but there they were caught by um their cousin elizabeth uh, sarah's cousin elizabeth someone had tipped the family off and they tracked them down um and stopped them and they you know they finally admitted defeat um sarah became really ill um she said so she couldn't they couldn't plan any more kind of escape um but after regaining her strength her strength they escaped for a secret meeting who with eleanor who's now living alone in the town of boris in April 1778, Eleanor came to live at Woodstock, Woodstock House officially as one of Sarah's maids. So they do kind of create this idea that she's going to come and be like her companion. Right. Which was really, it was a way that um, women in the 18th century could get, get away with this. They could, you know, you could live with another woman and say that it was your companion um, or, you know, that you were friends. Obviously, a lot of women weren't <laughs> just friends. Um, and these two definitely aren't. Um, so they're going to, they were going to leave again. Um, and finally, the family kind of just knew that they couldn't stop them. So a carriage arrived on the first day of May. The two women packed up their belongings. They hired a servant named Mary Carroll and they set out on their journey to start a new life together. Um, and then they found the village of Clangochlan. They had like absolutely no money really they were they were kind of penniless they were just trying to like find a place they could call their own and live in um but they they loved it here loved it there um and they had loads of visitors they brought people coming from all over the place from london and dublin um and they lived there all of their lives they they were kind of became really famous residents and they just kind of loved each other they shared a bedroom, obviously. Um, one of their dogs was named Sappho after the Greek poet. Uh -huh. um, ah! <laughs> if you needed any more proof. <laughs> not not the first or last time that a lesbian couple has named their dog after Sappho. So Absolutely not. A long tradition. Um, and they lived there until 
the early 1800s, at which point Mary Carroll, their, their maid, passed away in 1809. Um, they were both really old, like they lived till they were elderly together. They would walk around together with canes. Um, and uh, Eleanor passed away next by Sarah's side on June the 8th, 1829, at the age of 90. And from that day on, Sarah alone would just walk around the house. She would only go to the churchyard where Eleanor was and spend the day like next to the grave and then come back home. And she passed away in 1831. Um, so almost as soon as they died, people started reporting that they were seeing them around the house together. Um, <clears throat> so not long after their death, their spectres would appear to men visiting their home, giving rise to the superstition that only men were able to witness their apparition. But this claim was dismissed in the late 1800s when they appeared to Mary Louisa Gordon. She conversed with the ghosts on a few occasions before turning their story, as told by the spirits, into a book, Chase of the Wild Goose, published in 1936. Um, and there's lots of paranormal activity recorded throughout the dwelling, lots of mists and lights that have been recorded in photographs. <clears throat> in the Oak Room, guests report dizzy dizziness and nausea, lots of unexplained knocking. Um, but the ghostly presences of Eleanor Butler and Sarah Ponsonby appear to be very welcoming to guests, as they were during their lifetime. Their former bedroom has an inviting, serene feel. It's believed by some psychics and investigators that the ladies still carry on their daily lives within the walls of the house. Um, Visitors have reported encounters with the woman, women over the years. Um, most often they appear on Christmas Eve. Oh. So they're just lovely um, and living, you know, their life together in death forever. So I just thought they was, they're so nice and it's a nice ghost story. Yeah, there's something, like you say, so um, like nice and uh, pleasant about hearing about ghosts that are you know living on in a sense like to live together because of their love and like you know uh love to hear about some 18th century lesbians who uh couldn't get enough of each other in life that they have to keep getting enough of each other in death stunning and the fact that they were actually able to be together in life because often you know you see films or read about things in books where it's just the struggle of not being able to be together where inevitably one of them dies and then yeah. the other one is just sad for the rest of time but this story is really sort of hopeful and romantic and joyful that actually you know despite the odds they did get to have this time together and then it continued on in another sense after yeah that's what i liked about it anyway so you know this good ghost story should be should have love somewhere in them i think it's all about good human emotions That's yeah the, definitely that is a great story to bring to the pod thank you so much um and yeah that book sounds really good i'll be uh you know borrowing that off you in the near future at some point when we eventually can actually see each other which is you know so i'll borrow it off you in 2025 or whatever <laughs> cool <laughs> And in terms of um in terms of kind of ghost stories, um, Halloween and queerness, those things for as long as we can all remember have been so interlinked. And I know um we were sort of saying that um history is as done as dirty where queer ghost stories are concerned. But when it comes to uh, queer people's love of the occult, of Halloween, of um you know this time this time of year and everything that comes with it that's something that has um that has always been so much so that it's been described as halloween has been described as gay christmas so 
that's definitely interesting to think about, especially when, um, to a larger degree, we have been written out of those stories in, in history. But I suppose, like with everything, we'll barge our way in one way or another. So um, maybe maybe that is um, what we can take away from this. But I read an interesting um, an interesting essay in The Advocate about this. And I mean, it's, it's probably, you know, comes down to what, what we've all um, talked about before, but I guess Halloween for all of us has always been a way to um, explore a different side to our personality, different side to how we might want to um, present ourselves without those kind of very strict um, confines placed around us about how we should be looking or, or presenting. Um, yeah, so the article says, still many LGBTQ folks delight in the chance to express themselves in ways that society usually deems lewd, weird, or inappropriate. This holiday is one that praises all the frights and fetishes that we are told to cover up. But then again, that is what Pride, not to mention leather festivals like San Francisco's Folsom Street Fair, is all about. The queer community is itself a celebration of sexual liberation. So for many, Halloween is just another Saturday night at the club. The main reason Halloween is a national LGBTQ holiday is the fact that being queer or trans is an extension of expressing who you want to be in spite of who fears it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that we have, um, that we've talked about before. And I think definitely like, growing up whether you're queer or not it's just an amazing time to be able to explore different sides of ourselves without feeling confined and I think that that's definitely something which um is developing a bit more and has been in the last sort of 10-20 years here because I remember when I came from Canada um to the UK when I was a child it was very uncommon at that time for people to dress up in traditionally like unscary outfits so it would always be a witch or a sheet with a hole in it for a ghost. Um, but it would never be, you know, Marie Antoinette or, you know, anyone, Elvis, whatever. Um, so I guess that's something that has developed in more recent history and gives people a bit more of a license to um, explore different avenues and ways of, of expressing themselves without, um, without fear of judgment, I suppose. Definitely. I think like, um, you know, everyone always says Halloween, gay Christmas, etc. And like, I do, I really think that that is the case. I think there's, for me, almost a slight like sadness that that is the case. There's sort of like, oh, here's the one night of the year where we can all be ourselves and everyone's not going to really ask any questions if you're like, yeah. you know, walking around in some suspenders or whatever, because you're obviously being like Frankenfurter or whatever. Like it's, it's like, oh, you can be as queer as, as, as you are on this one night. And it's kind of, it kind of highlights that that's actually not okay in, well, deemed not okay in society the rest of the time. Um, and that's like, I mean, I love it. Like, obviously it's great, but I do, I do think it kind of highlights that, which is also a bit sad. You know what I mean? But I think, um, it is yeah. an important time of year, definitely for us. You can queries. definitely um, see that trajectory as well in like horror films, I think. You know, there's that, there was a lot, there's a long history of sort of, you know, queerness in horror films being used as like, you know, uh, undertones for like the monster or like, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's that's something that, you know, um, queer directors, horror directors had to lean into slightly to be able to kind of 
have queer visibility on screen, LGBTQ visibility on screen, but also then, you know, it's like a catch-22, you're presenting a kind of, you know, a, a version of it being monstrous or really other, which is not helpful in any way. So, but I do think that trajectory is really changing. And I think, you know, as laws around, you know, uh, visibility on screen have changed, we're seeing a real I do think we're seeing a real change in that in like things like you know Bly Manor the haunting of Bly Manor or the haunting of Hill House lots of these new newer tellings of ghost stories are you know highlighting gay relationships which is really nice to see I think. Well interestingly um that was something that I was thinking about this week um I've just finished the book Frankenstein by Jeanette Winterson um, who is obviously a very uh, notable uh, lesbian author. And um, I have to say that I really did struggle with this book in terms of um, its messaging around some of those things that you were talking about um, with the kind of conflation of um, trans bodies and um, Frankenstein and sort of this going past going into the past and going into the future and sort of drawing certain comparisons which I felt quite unsettled by um I'm not sure whether I'm just reading it in the wrong way or um or not but I I definitely did feel um a discomfort when I was reading it and I think that um you know, all too often certain comparisons have been made, like you say, to uh, queerness and otherness and monstrousness and possibly so much so that that a lot of the time it still goes unchecked. I don't know whether that was the intention in this book, um, but it was, yeah, something that um, I found to be quite disconcerting when I was reading it and not something that I was particularly uh, expecting. I don't know if either of you have read it or if you know about the book, but I've not read it I've I've heard about it but I've not I've not read it yet I I think that you probably are reading it I think I mean it's, it's how you, it's what you take from the book isn't it and I think whether Winston meant it or not that's that maybe is a subconscious you know something that's kind of come out in that writing which is it's an interesting thing maybe that's it's so ingrained in our the way that we conceive of these things that it it's really hard for people to move move forward and not yeah. not think in those tropes which is you know an interesting thing in itself and something I think we hopefully can move past because it's like I said not not helpful to anyone or good in any way yeah um, um, othering of people for any reason is like our main problem as a society slash humanity so uh the less of it the better definitely I'm, I'm very intrigued to read that book because I've never actually read it like I you know I've known about it since it came out but I never I've just never I don't know I never got it or never came across it again I don't, I don't think it was maybe as like like I think I don't think it was very uh popular when it when it came out maybe for reasons that you are highlighting now Olivia so I would be intrigued to read it well in 2025 <laughs> this book will be yours <laughs> so the great who said that we 2025 yeah <laughs> who said we didn't have something to long for anymore Lucy <laughs> I wanted to get on and um, there's so many things that we that we could talk about but um I really wanted to 
um, talk a little bit about your pendulum and to tell our listeners what a pendulum is, how you use it, um, and just kind of lift the uh, lift the lid on that because I don't I think that I'd, I'd maybe seen pendulums used in movies and things like that, but I'd never had sort of first hand or first hand experience through you um, of how a pendulum works. So I wondered if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love I love my pendulum. It's it's the best thing ever. Um, so uh, I I started using a pendulum. I had. I've used tarot and things like that before um uh, and I so for anyone who doesn't know a pendulum is um some kind of of conduit be it a crystal or you can you can kind of use whatever really I've used rings before or or, you know it kind of needs a little weight to it on a chain uh, or a string or you know hanging down and swings like a swings like a pendulum um and I use it I started using it when I was um really unwell actually uh had well, I was having a really bad anxiety episode in my teens and someone introduced it to me and and said you know this is a really good tool for working out what's going on in your subconscious for asking questions and getting those answers that you're finding it really hard to answer yourself and because you're panicking and and have loads of anxiety and it was super helpful so a pendulum can only give a yes or no answer. Um, and really, I mean, I've I've been kind of working on my practice with it for a long time. So I've kind of moved past just using it just for myself. I still do use it just on myself, but really it's it's a tool, much like the tarot is really, it's about it's about reading your own uh subconscious, your own intuition, your own energy getting those answers and kind of working out those things that you're finding it hard to work out it's not really reading occult energy or you know spiritual energy if you don't want it to you can however use it for those purposes if you want to Um, and that's kind of a practice that I've been building up for some time working out you know what I can do with it and how you can kind of test the boundaries of uh you know our physical world and that kind of thing with it so yeah I use it now to talk to ghosts or spirits or energy or think about past lives and all sorts of things so was it was it it always something that that has worked for you or did you have to um work at it and then you realize one day that it that it was working or can you tell whether it's working or not working or does sometimes it it work and sometimes it doesn't or is it always right or how how does it it's it's always worked for me and I've been doing a bit of reading recently about I'm I'm getting really interested in different forms of of magic practice which is uh there's a whole range could go on for hours about it but like there's different kinds of magic there's like high and low magic there's different kinds of magic cultures all over the world magic is a bit of a weird word it sounds you know it's more to do with you know people uh for example in kind of wicca faith and things like that it's about people you know using the tools of nature and things like that to um find their own power believe it you know find their own belief and um taking you know being having affirmation and using ritual to to shape your world and and to put what you want out in the world and i think you kind of i think people find the thing that works for them i think when you're open to it you kind of 
maybe try a few different things and something will work really well for you and for me the pendulum just worked from the beginning and it's never been a thing where it stopped working or hasn't worked well I didn't really have to think about it. it's got better over the years that now I can do it I it you know I can kind of do it from not even I don't even have to kind of speak out loud anymore which is quite interesting um and I think it's been interesting when I've you know kind of encouraged other people to do it and perhaps they found it a bit more tricky and it might just not be the right conduit for them I think it's about finding the right thing for you and there are different ones the pendulum is a really nice one um because you see such visual results but there are you know there's lots of different kinds of tools that you could use um it's all about your own energy though it's all about you know the pendulum on its own is an occult thing it's your own it's you kind of channeling through it so um you know you can kind of do that with anything but you've got to find the right thing for you so who are you actually asking depends on the question so if it's something that i just need to know about me i'm just kind of asking myself um if it's something that i want to know about other things i would ask kind of reach out and ask a different kind of power about it which is you know it's kind of like honing that relationship as well with a spiritual dimension things that you can't see and that that is also quite an interesting thing that I've developed over a period of time um I'm not psychic or anything like that I would never claim to be but I have been learning over time how to channel and tap into different things um and and it is it's also a practice of really like meditation as well it's all about kind of learning how to get into the present moment and how to to exist here um, and really focus and concentrate on something um so it's a you know a base level it's just a really good practice to do something like that i think um it's something that i do every evening just as a kind of ritual um and i'm looking to sort of expand that as well i think that there's a there's a whole thing with sort of spiritual belief systems where you can kind of you can kind of find what works for you and and choose some different things and and I'm looking to expand my range of of ritual so I'll let you know what happens yeah definitely I mean I've had some experience with you and your pendulum um you know looking into past lives and stuff like that but like you say it's not it's not like a psychic thing it's not like a it's not about past or future it's about energy present energy and your energy as a being a person or whatever um and i find i've always found when we've you know done stuff with the pendulum before um and i know you've read tarot for me as well um in the past i find it very enlightening and you know even if you like do or don't sort of believe in the energies or anything there's this it's like you say it's like a meditation it's it's a concentration it's thinking about this thing for a bit and feeling like there's like you're even just talking things through or having something suggest to you that maybe this or maybe that and then you can think about it um and whether or not that that is because of certain energies or not or spiritual realms blah 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 like you know like it still is a great practice like you say um and yeah no i'm a big big fan of the pendulum (laughs) and it it can be quite it can be quite emotional um as as well i mean less so in my experience with the pendulum more with more with tarot really but Mm -hmm. um i definitely find it quite an emotionally heightened 
experience to to do that absolutely you're you're, you know you're peeling back yourself and the layers that you know that you kind of we put around ourselves in our everyday you're, you're stripping that away to really just who you are and what you want to know and what you you know how it affects you and that's really it 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 does make you a little vulnerable um especially when you're kind of getting answers that perhaps confirm something that you want to know or or perhaps didn't want to know it's hard you know that can be really tough um and that is part of also honing the practice i think is just learning how to deal with those kind of emotions when they come up and and that is also something the pendulum and the tarot can help with because they don't just give you the answers or, or help to you to kind of make those decisions, but they give you ways of dealing with it as well and thinking it through and getting you through to the other side of it, which is really important. Um, I think, you know, it's something that any kind of mindfulness stuff is good, but this is a really nice way of going a little bit beyond yourself as well, I think um mindfulness can be quite introspective i think and this is can be kind of you think about how you connect to all of that energy all of the stuff that's kind of happening and and that's quite comforting really i think in the interest of uh you know spooky season halloween etc all this great chat um we were wondering if we could ask um i mean now after that amazing talk about the pendulum some probably quite trivial questions but (laughs) we thought why not we've got you here a pendulum expert and you're there you're poised i can see your finger is ready um so i know that usually we sort of have to like uh tap into like i guess it's not an individual question is it about like us it's about the podcast we thought we'd ask the pendulum some questions about the podcast um and therefore i guess you can kind of tap into that energy because you know the pod you're you're a big fan we know that <laughs> so, <laughs> if you want to tell us uh when you are ready um, fire away okay tell me, ask me what you want to know so i guess first off uh oh, see i always um see the pendulum as sort of like as much as it is like your energy slash whoever's energy um, I do see it sort of as uh, its sort of own individual presence as well. So I guess my first question would be uh, to the pendulum. Uh, are you a fan of the podcast? That's a big yes. Yes! <laughs> Stunning. Big circles. <laughs> it couldn't um, not be though, really. I think it would be a, it would be a travesty if it said no. <laughs> yeah, it would be, it'd be like, right, well, see ya. Yeah. Yep. Not using you anymore. <laughs> Um, Olivia, do you have a question for the pendulum? Um, yes, I do. I wanted to know if we have any uh, listeners, any podcast listeners who are from another dimension. Oh, that's a really big yes. Oh, that's massive. That's really, I can see it going. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, oh, stunning. So exciting. Oh, so I just, Asked whether we have any spiritual listeners like right now, like spirit listeners, and it said yes. Oh, so, yay! As we speak, they, they could just be right here with me. They could just be with you because you are, yeah. as we know, you know, ever present in the in the the walk of many angels and ghosts. So, oh, that's really interesting because I think it's nice to know that we are reaching all the realms. Um, what else could we ask? I could ask whether you've ever had any EVP on your podcast that you've not picked up. 
Yes. I'll start. I'll start. No, sorry. No. It's not happened. That's probably all right because I don't want it to like spook anyone out. And do you want to just explain what, um, what is it? E- is it EVP? E- EVP is electronic voice phenomena. Um, and uh, some people, uh, including myself, think that it picks up, it's one of the ways in which uh, spirits can communicate through uh, radio waves or energy, that kind of energy. If you think about it, it's just another form of energy to use. So um there have been like lots of evp you know some famous evp i think you should you know if anyone's interested there's some really interesting stuff about it online and and some good podcasts about it as well um but uh yeah i've had a couple of evp things before in the past picked up on strange voices saying things which is a bit bit creep but you know it's all right yeah (laughs) I guess the, the pendulum telling us that um, confirms to me uh, very pleasantly that none of the places we have ever recorded our podcasts are haunted. So that's nice to know, isn't it, Liv? It is nice. Um, I don't know, maybe the Admiral wasn't around when we've been recording here. Yeah, that, that's a no, unfortunately. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. The Admiral's off. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I think the Admiral should... Um, should get on with his quests in uh, whatever form they take. Probably um, well, thank to you. the East Indies, isn't he? So. Probably. Um, but, but yeah, that was very, um, very illuminating. So thank you very much for doing that for us. Thank you, Laura. And also, thank you, Pendulum. I love you, Pendulum, which yeah. we always like. Yeah. So aside from listening to really stunning EVPs, which I know we all like to look up uh, when we're wanting to feel a little bit connected to the spirit world, what other things have uh, you both been listening to this week? What are your tracks of the week? Olivia, you go first. Okay, well, my track of the week this week, it had to be a spooky one because um, it's a spooky episode and it is spooky season. And... I thought it could be no other than absolute gay rights icon, Dusty Springfield, oh. and her song, Spooky. Yes, great one. Thank <laughs> well you so done. much. Thank well you done. so much. And like, it manages to be both spooky and sexy. So it really is just the queer mood, don't you think? Absolutely. Definitely. Definitely. That is a top, top choice. Well done. You've done stunning homework there. Um Laura, do you have a track of the week for us? Well, uh, my, things I've been listening to this week have been a bit uh, heavy metal esque because I'm nice. having a he- I'm having a heavy metal moment. So I probably I probably go for um, considering we're talking about magic. I probably go for Black Sabbath's Mr. Crowley uh, as my track of the week. Amazing, you know, nice song about magic. Um, Alistair Crowley who <laughs> was a terrible practitioner of magic you know no he's just after power and you know using uh cultural magic that he had no right to be using as a as a colonist basically so imagine yeah some some things never change <laughs> That is a really, really great track of the week. And I'm really pleased to add some texture to our playlist. 
in the form of some heavy metal. And that does just remind me very, very quickly of that stunning night that me and you had where you came to Manchester for a few, for a few drinks. You stayed the whole night and we went to Satan's Holiday, uh, Satan's Hollow and it was stunning. <laughs> that was the best night ever. It was so good. Oh, man. Oh, what I wouldn't give to go to Satan's Hollow on Halloween. I, I would live in that moment at the moment. You know, if I could live in a moment, that the moment where we were sat in that, I don't know what the bar was called, and it was about 10 o'clock and I was like, I'm not going home, am I? <laughs> yes, exactly. What, what, um, Olivia, it's that bar which is like on, oh, what's it called? On like Port, not Portland Street, but, and it, it's called like Retro Bar or something like that, or it's been there for ages. It's called Retro Bar. Oh, is it is called it? Retro Bar? <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was so good. What a stunning time. Uh, yes, no, really, really great track of the week. Thank you very much for doing some more stunning homework. And Lucy, what is yours? So mine is, I was like, right, we need uh, sort of spooky, uh, Halloween-esque, and, you know, uh, if possible, queer as well. So I thought, what is queerer and uh, more Halloween-like than um, one of, I know, all of our favourites, the Rocky Horror Picture Show? So, you know, that is the ultimate sort of, you know, a bit spooky, but in like a spooky kooky way uh, and incredibly queer. And God, that was made in 1975. And the queerness is so like overt for that time that I think it's like such a such a like landmark piece of film. Um, And I love it so much. I know we're all fans. Um, And I chose of of all the tracks I've chosen. Touch a touch a touch a because what I mean that's like pure longing and queerness exudes the best track the best one yeah. and it's very yeah. apropos of these strange and unpleasant and uncertain <laughs> times. Oh my god, isn't it just so? Yes, that is my track of the week for this our spooky Halloween special. Um, can't recommend it enough. Uh, if you want like something to watch this Halloween, it's always an absolute riot. And if you've never seen it, then like come on get get on with it (laughs) so we know that we absolutely agree with watching rocky horror picture show every single halloween and all of the times in between but there are inevitably and unfortunately um some things possibly some spooky things that we don't agree with it's time for a very special spooky edition of i don't agree with it so i don't agree with it Yes, that's staying. Um, Very good. Well done. Um, So another week, another um, spooky, I don't agree with it. Um, Taking the floor first, Lucy, what don't you agree with this week? Well, when we were doing sort of a little bit of preamble to this pod, I was like, oh, I can't think of anything that's spooky. I'll just try and make mine spooky. But actually, I have just thought of something I absolutely do not agree with that is very, very spooky indeed. And that is haunted dolls. (laughs) now yeah yeah at the weekend um a couple weekends ago i watched annabelle very bad film um but that like love to watch a crap horror film sometimes and uh that is about haunted uh you know the og haunted doll annabelle um and uh, (laughs) i usually can't really like look at dolls for too long so kind of a bit too scary for me because they are spooky but this doll is like they've gone too far they really hammed it up that it's not really scary anymore it's just like comical because it's like got like literally like looks like it's got blood dropping down its cheeks and it's like eh, wild-eyed and stuff like that so it's like 
what I don't agree with in terms of haunted dolls is a they're haunted and they want to like do things to you sometimes um but b like especially in the context of this film Annabelle I just do not understand why anyone would ever purchase this doll and yet people seem to keep doing it and it's just like you see that doll you know that doll is haunted step away from the doll I don't understand (laughs) but yeah so my I don't agree with it is haunted dolls please no one ever get me any dolls ever because I don't like them at all especially haunted ones thank you so much but there is a website you know where you can buy haunted dolls yes I've heard and and adopt them and have them in your home and look after them (laughs) I don't want to I will never do that to you Good. And let's not let's not forget when Barbara Streisand um, was gifted that haunted doll from Celine herself. Yes, yes, that was a stunning moment in Celine watch that I was not expecting. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I do know that there is a market for them, and at, you know, if you want to take them in and you want to, you know, nurse these spirits, then fine. They they probably do need a good home, and they probably won't haunt anyone if they are being looked after properly. So actually, I agree with the haunted doll orphanages but i don't agree with haunted dolls themselves <laughs> uh laura what do you not agree with uh this week uh i mean mine's quite broad um but it is um people approach it, appropriating other cultures for halloween slash magic talking about alistair crowley you know appropriating like you know egyptian culture and all sorts of you know other things to to gain power um, I think Halloween is often a time of year where people forget that that is a terrible thing to do and um, just don't do it, I think oh, is the bottom line. Um, absolutely. We've seen it year after year, haven't we? Uh, people making terrible costume choices in terms of appropriation and just really, really not reading around or even just like opening their eyes and understanding that there are certain things we should not dress up as uh, in any way shape or yep. form for any means of entertainment or at all if it's not absolutely and it Can also ask... sorry sorry go ahead i was just gonna say you know it also extends to things like people there's a whole thing you know i think about people like saging their house and that kind of thing and these these are practices which are very particular to certain uh groups of people they have particular meaning if you're taking them out of that meaning and you're not really understanding that culture or or looking at it properly i mean just don't do it is i think the bottom line and um i think that goes with a lot of kind of like things that we think of as like magic practices so um you know do your research and think about it and think about what you know what what symbols and what things actually mean something to you because that's all that gives ritual power is that it actually connects to you in some way so if it doesn't connect to you maybe don't do it perfect yes we absolutely agree with not agreeing with that um and olivia what do you not agree with this week well before i do my i don't agree with it i am curious to know what your halloween costumes would have been had you been dressing up for halloween this year well i am actually dressing up for halloween this year because we've decided uh, a couple of friends are having a zoom halloween party nice so because we can only really do our face which you know i'm not going to do like the full full thing that i would generally do um but uh me and owen are going to go as um skeleton bride and groom because you know it's easy to do a kind of skull uh he's bought a little like skull uh a skull face mask <laughs> Stunning. So 2020. So, <laughs> and we have all the things. So 
Perfect. Yeah, that yeah. is very good. I'm pleased to hear you are still dressing up for Halloween. Um, dressing up for Halloween is not something I have done for a very long time, actually. I'm actually really bad at costumes because I really like always like resent spending money on something for like one instance. <laughs> but um, if I were to dress up for Halloween this year um, or for, you know, yeah, for Halloween this year, I would dress up as, and I know uh, we were probably going to discuss this anyway, but um, I would want to go as Mrs. Danvers from Rebecca. <laughs> a stunning icon of both queerness and uh, pencil skirts. Being sort of haunting and uh, stern and having an absolute aura uh, around her. Um, and I think she would make a stunning 2020 uh, Halloween costume. <laughs> so coming to um, a Zoom near you, maybe. Um, what about you, Olivia? What would be your Halloween costume? My Halloween this year would have been Juno Birch. <laughs> yes, so good, so good. As like, just straight up, which Juno Birch are you going for? Like, like the classic Juno Birch with like the hair like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For everyone yeah. who can't see, which is everyone. Um, it's sort of classic, the 50s swish as it were yeah 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 that is and a good one laura was gonna go as mr birch <laughs> okay yes yeah <laughs> and that is laura uh, olivia's girlfriend not laura who is on the podcast right now <laughs> although if, if you yeah. want to i will <laughs> <laughs> oh, so i mean kind. you can't you can't get enough mr birches in my opinion but yeah maybe maybe next year we shall yeah. see but my i don't agree with it is unfortunately well my initial response to this was um that my ceiling was possessed by some kind of ectoplasm um, in my flat. But on closer inspection, um, I realised that no, there has been a huge water leak from the flat above into my ceiling. And uh, I discovered that on Sunday and I've been dealing with that all today. So I very much don't agree with that. Yes, I feel for you. I have had several water leaks from my flat the flat above mine in the past in fact yes there also one when yes. you were at my house alone yes. which is like yes. a weird situation but yes and i took a nap and the, and the fire brigade were like knocking on the window to try and get in because the flat was like flooding and i didn't know because i was taking a nap because it was during it was during pride and i was quite tired yes um <laughs> yeah <laughs> um it is not a fun situation and is one of the definite like downsides of a flat in the terms that like when you have a house the up and down all of it is yours when it's a flat you're like you can't you can't control the stuff above and it, uh, or below and yeah that no. can be very very infuriating so i feel for you that's annoying yep um so very much don't agree with that <laughs> so the last thing i wanted to mention um on the usual orders of business is silly watch this isn't really like a traditional um, Celine watch. As you know, everybody is just in lockdown or tears or whatever they're in and not that much is really happening. Definitely but what I can tell you is if you want to dress up as Celine Dion for Halloween, there are plenty of resources out there that have isolated some of her best looks for you to recreate at home. So um, I've had a look. There are quite a few on um pinterest um where there's like different like slideshows of like 12 different looks that you can choose from and um, there's like 
the 12 most iconic um, Celine Dion looks. You could maybe be that one where she's in um, Paris for Fashion Week on that scooter. Um, there are so many, you could do the swan dress, not the swan dress, you could do the, the tutu dress that she did for, for Eurovision. There are just so many looks that you could recreate. And I just think, you know, maybe next year we all go as Celine from a different era. Oh my God, happy Spookaline. Like, absolutely perfect. Yes, we we should do that. Um, she is a woman of many iconic looks, as we know. Um, and yeah, she would make a very, very good Halloween costume. So yeah, we'll put some links to those in uh, the show notes, definitely, if you're wanting some Celine inspo. Um, and, I feel like yeah. you should uh, have a thing where we all dress up but also have to lip sync to one of her songs as well in costume. Oh, yes. The evening writes itself, Laura. <laughs> it's done. Consider it done. Off the back of what you um, just had for your I Don't Agree With It, I think it's time as part of our consumables for this week to talk about the film that has just launched on Netflix and it is none other than the brand new adaptation of Daphne du Maurier's Rebecca that we have all seen, I believe. So this is the opportunity to dive into not only its inherent spookiness, but its real queerness. Let's go. <laughs> so first off, could I just ask, has everyone read the book as well? Yes. Yeah. One of my favorite books when I was yes. growing up. Same. And actually, my friend from school, Natasha, if you're listening, you still have my copy. So <laughs> if you could drop it off at my house, I would appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Natasha. If you could get that done, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, when like, you have a favorite book and then you're like, this is my favorite book. Read it. And then you don't get it back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so many books where that's happened. Oh I've, yeah, I've been a woman, been a woman scorned. Oh yeah. ending. I'm the other person in that equation. I have loads of books from people <laughs> that just, I, I keep good care of. <laughs> like, <laughs> never I mean, I, I I do a lot of long loans, but I'll give them back eventually, and that's yeah. fine. But oh, you know, I'll totally I f- give them back. I feel like 21 years is maybe too long. Pushing it a bit there, Natasha. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I'm I'm fine. Absolutely fine. Um, so what what did we all think of the um of the adaptation in terms of you know how it fares compared to the book, compared to other adaptations? It's queerness level. Let's talk about it all. Well, I would just I mean I think to start off with I you know Kristen Scott Thomas is an excellent. Mrs. Danvers I think she's got that kind of like steely edge but like loads going on underneath and you can totally you know see it all and it's she's she was just really good I thought she was very good as Mrs. Danvers Um, yeah I I agree I thought I thought she was very very good as as the role um and she obviously read the book and she was doing like you know the classic Mrs. Danvers so I guess for anyone who doesn't know and doesn't care about knowing uh the basic plot of Rebecca is that uh, a young woman meets a man while she's in Monaco and ends, he's he's just uh, been made a is widower? It, a widower? widower, is that what you say? 
Yeah. 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 A widower, his wife has died, the first Mrs. De Winter. Uh, and then basically the, our young woman, our like sort of protagonist narrator, gets married to him as the second Mrs. De Winter. She goes back to his uh, family home of Mandalay and uh, she is confronted by the housekeeper, who is Mrs. Danvers, who we're talking about, um, and the sort of presence of... Rebecca, who was the first Mrs. De Winter, who still very much sort of haunts the uh, house and um, begins to sort of... Uh, Mrs. Danvers evidently has a very strong... Uh, had a very strong relationship with Rebecca, or like to her uh, knowledge, as it were, um, and uh, is sort of obsessed with Rebecca, as it were, and um, slowly drives the second Mrs. De Winter into sort of like a madness about uh not it basically gaslights her uh into not feeling worthy of the role she now finds herself in etc that's like sort of a loose would you say that's a loose i'm not gonna say what happens yeah. that's like yeah. a loose version of yeah. what's happening here but um so yeah so i think and uh 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 kst was stunning as mrs danvers however I don't think that they wrote Mrs. Danvers well enough. Uh, she was not, in my opinion, the queer sort of aspect and the coding of her relationship with Rebecca did not come out as much as I think it should. And also as much as I, it did when I read the book a, a million years ago and was like, oh, is this? Is she? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, I knew that um, watching it, but I was sort of frustrated with it not being as sort of queer coded as I wanted it to be. Um, and as I think it sort of should be in this day and age, um, in this day and age, God. Um, and also, um, I also found that like the presence, the haunting presence of Rebecca wasn't strong enough as well in the film. Um, but that's just, that's my opinion on it. What did we think? Others? I totally agree that the haunting presence just definitely wasn't there enough like it was she should like she should be like in everything and I think that's the thing like it's like it's yeah it's that just wasn't that wasn't done enough and I think yeah you're completely right like the the love that Mrs Danvers has for Rebecca was just not the obsessor the obsession uh could have been completely like and a lot more of that could have been sort of drawn out yeah it was also, a little bit more yeah. maternal because she was talking a lot about you know I've looked after her from when she was a child and you can't really like codify that in the same way if you're thinking of it more of like yeah a, a maternal sort of mothering mm -hmm. love um, yeah I think also with with Rebecca as well because I think there's that whole thing where it should have been much clearer when I read the book and how I felt about it in the past is that I'm always a bit more on Rebecca's side <laughs> than I am on the protagonist's side because not because I, th I think she's probably like a terrible person but she definitely um there's a lot more about I think about her kind of having to having had to get married you know to kind of have some power you know, using men for power. She doesn't really love men, and that that didn't come across enough to me either. Like that, she she doesn't feel anything for men. She just uses them to get what she wants. But she does definitely love Mrs. Danvers, and there is definitely much more. You know, that the kind of emotional relationship needed to be a bit bit more told. 
Do you think that Rebecca is a feminist novel? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the protagonist particularly tells a feminist, like a, a feminist telling of, of. No. I mean, she does all. And she's particularly pathetic in this yeah. in this version of it. Yeah, not, I, I, mean, I was I was like floored by how sort of pathetic they made her. It was like I was like, come on, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, give her a bit more. We can give her more now like, because the, the the gaslighting is one thing, but she does spend a lot of time just trying to work things out in the book, which that doesn't that just didn't really happen enough either. She just did a lot more sort of like crying in a corner and she was just a bit more idiotic in. always breaking things always just messing things up and i was just like for god's sake new mrs de winter i was just getting annoyed with her to be honest which is probably not <laughs> the rea- yeah which reaction i was like say the dog did it for god's sake like yes there's a lot of things <laughs> yeah. you, could, you could say there i know yeah i know that it, yeah it's i think there was a and i think not to give away anything about like the end of it obviously no spoilers but like that is in itself is not the most feminist i think of things that Mm. happens in the end um what i thought they might have changed it to but then it would have like changed rebecca too much i don't know whether this is a spoiler by saying what i thought okay well spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert (laughs) yeah but i thought it would be way more cool if actually um she kills off army hammer and then just lives in Mandalay all of her own um chins off Mrs Danvers doesn't kill her but just sort of like sends her pack in um shacks up with that maid who wants to be mates with her and they just put on balls all the time and live their best life exactly also his sister who I quite like as well just invite her around for tea yeah Um, just I I just send him off to like I just send him off into exile in Europe you know I keep yeah. the house. He can go back to Monte Carlo, do whatever he wants. Exactly. Yeah. You know. Yeah. My sister. I watched it with my sister, and she she hasn't read the book or anything. So like her first sort of foray into it, I, I think. Yeah. And she was like, she was like, oh, he just he just seems like so sort of like disinterested and like he's not really like there very much and like what their love doesn't even seem that like powerful in this and stuff like that. So like, what's even all the point of all of this? Like, yeah. if, like their love doesn't seem that that like intense and i think this adaptation of the film um of the book sorry like uh it was really top heavy in that it like did loads and loads in like monaco trying to like set the scene and i think trying to make their love story bigger but it didn't really work i don't think um and there wasn't it then didn't leave there was a lot there was a lot and then all of a sudden like all the climax and all the stuff happened very quickly nearer the end of the film and therefore it didn't leave like a lot of room for like that sort of hauntingness and like um more of the like Danversy queer coding and stuff I don't know if that's like just because um you know that's what we when we read it as queer people we were all like oh like taking these bits from it but I do think that's like sort of a notorious thing about the the book um and uh I was a bit I was I was just a bit mainly disappointed basically it wasn't spooky enough yeah. it should be spookier yeah I think that's the thing as well, like the real love story in it, not their love story, it's Mrs. Danvers' love story. Yeah. Like the the love story, they 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 marry because it's kind of convenient. Like it's the, it, they both get something out of it and he tr- he gets to try and move on. She gets to escape the situation she's in. 
like it, it's just a it's just another way of like doing something to help themselves and I think that's also the at the end they they can help each other and that's like the thing yeah. whereas the real love story is is Mrs. Dunn isn't it so in terms of the real um queer character of the piece in my opinion um I believe this has to go to Rebecca's bedroom which is quite possibly the campus character in the whole in the whole film yes. and it looks like it is the bedroom of Liberace yes they can really, we talk about yeah. that they oh really my god went to town with that i i, I mean I, some, I saw somebody describe it as like a uh, like a porn set and i don't like yeah, think that, those, that is incorrect <laughs> those like those like white um those like white steps that like went down into the sunken bedroom. Absolutely. Like, would they have had that in the 1930s? Not really, I don't think. No, it wasn't a big thing. I don't think. Like, it's it was. I think for me, it was like the the complete like overtness of the doors that open into a mirrored room. Like, oh yes. look, she was vain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, look, she loved how she looked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was i don't i uh i enjoy, like i enjoyed watching it you know like uh I, but that's mainly because i was like intrigued and i was like what are they gonna do with it and like it's a story i love and stuff like that but i i would not be really like uh keen to watch it again um in that sense um but you know people can make their own i mean it definitely made me want to read the book again because i wanted to like make sure I knew some bits, you know what I mean? Like where you want to corroborate your bits and stuff. Um, and I'm sorry to say that to you, Olivia, obviously, as you cannot read the book again as you don't have your copy. But... <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, a, a two out of five for me. <laughs> I think I'll edge it to a three for Kristen, only for Kristen Scott Thomas. Fair enough. But the rest of it is two out of five for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was like definitely watchable and like compelling viewing, especially if you haven't read the book. I think yeah. you could get a lot more out of it and really kind of enjoy it because obviously it does have the kind of like twists at the end and, you know, just for the sake of like the, the story, um, it's definitely worth watching. Is it the best adaptation? No. So, Laura, while we have you here, um, is there anything else that you wanted to sort of talk about on the pod that you wanted to bring to our attentions? I know that you mentioned earlier um, the that Samhain is coming up, and I actually don't even know what that is, so I would love to uh, get some knowledge on that, if you want to tell us about it and um, about why it relates to the spooky season. So, well, it's what originally was the, the spooky season. It's the original uh, time for it. It's the some um see it as the new year um at the time when the you know the the uh the world and the other world the veil between worlds is at its thinnest um you know the the night's drawing in it's a it's a fire festival um and it got co-opted into halloween (laughs) by by christianity um but it's it's the it's a pagan celtic tradition um, and it's the time when the dead could readily mingle with the living. It's the time where you can talk to your ancestors, not in a scary way, but in a good way. And it's a time when you can, you know, you you can think about what you want to manifest for the year to come. Um, the scary part of it came out of um, also being the, you know, the time when, because the veil between worlds is the thinnest, uh, if you believe in like the she, the, the fae, 
um, that's the time they can come out as well, uh, or the rest in particular, and the she are tricksy and can be, um, uh, you know, uh, not not the best ones to, to play with, um, if that's what you believe. So uh, it's not morbid, it's not supposed to be a morbid festival, it's supposed to be about rebirth and renewal and new life and um, and death is an accepted part of life and about the fact that we we can kind of think about that and think about the dead in a nice way um that obviously kind of has changed over time but you know think about that this weekend i think it's a nice thing to think about you know the, the veil might be thin and you you know you might want to chat to someone if you wanted to which might be a nice thing absolutely i think that is a stunning way to round out this uh, episode um i would just like to say i've really really enjoyed that you have brought all your spooky knowledge and turned you know halloween into like thinking more about the the positiveness of it and, and the, the warmth of this season um which i think you know as as it is queer christmas of course it's going to be warm and cozy and a really good time yeah, so it's harvest it's time to feast we yes, should be feasting feast. and talking to the dead <laughs> and especially at this time when we can't like see our friends or be up close and personal with people that we might want to be you know who you don't need social distance from a ghost absolutely you know it's <laughs> so really yeah 2020 halloween is the optimum halloween spooky season because we can have many many uh, conversations with friends um just from different realms so why not Absolutely. and you know have a go with a pendulum if you feel like it this weekend and uh you know see what comes up for you see what you want to manifest for your for your life what you're living loving and longing for exactly <laughs> um well thank you so much laura for joining us for this episode it's been really enlightening and uh i think one of our more educational episodes perhaps <laughs> Not that we don't obviously talk about really important things. And also, like, you know, this is all all just, like, from my mind. Don't quote me on any of it, anyone, ever. Yeah, these are all her own opinion. These are not the opinion of any uh, affiliates, etc., or whatever it is that people say on their Twitter bios. Exactly. (laughs) All beliefs my own. Yes, that's it. All beliefs my own. Yeah, well, well, yeah. Um, uh, If you you want to get in contact with us in any way, maybe tell us about any spooky happenings that have uh, occurred to you, we would absolutely love to hear about it. Um, And you can do that through our Twitter and Instagram. We are at Queer Longing or you can email us queerlonging at gmail.com. Thanks very much for having me. (laughs) Yes, um, we are very pleased. And, um, you know, maybe we'll see you again in the future or the past or the present through many energies, hopefully would love um, to come back so you know anytime you want to anytime you want to commune with other powers or you know just chat about anything i'm 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 in <laughs> perfect that's what we need we need a, a guest on speed dial and we have one now <laughs> so whilst we uh spend our weekend getting in touch with um other realms or other or people from our past presents and futures we will be loving you leaving you and longing for you until next time bye Bye. i mean i like no i get that because that's what i would think every time we put an episode out i'm like oh god
There she is again. You know that bit where I say this bit, right? Just cut it out. Just cut it out. 